Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 456. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jerry Hausler. Jerry, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? The foot is ready to put it to the metal. (laughs) Pedal to the metal, as they say. Awesome. Great. Jerry Hausler has owned and run RallyBadge.com since 1998. He scours the world finding authentic vintage automotive rally badges and automobilia for enthusiasts like you and me. After years of working in the technology sector, Jerry decided to follow his passion for vintage cars and turn his hobby, collecting badges and other automotive memorabilia, into a business. If you own an older vehicle, chances are Jerry has an authentic club or event badge that will be period correct to your vehicle. Years ago, I purchased a 1972 rally badge for my 72 Porsche 911S from Jerry, and it added a very cool and unique period touch to the grill of my car. Jerry, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles and finding cool old stuff? Well, Mark, first of all, uh, hopefully I can live up to uh, your introduction. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I think so. I've been a car guy for a while. I didn't start out as a car guy. Uh, the car bug didn't really bite me until I got into my late 20s. Um, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> I, basically, I've been uh, leading a life of crime ever since. <laughs> I think so. You know, cars reunite people. And I bought that badge from you so long ago. It was at an event at Pebble Beach. We ran into each other, and I bought that grow badge and put it on my car. And every time I walked around the back of my car, I smiled and said, that is just so cool. And then we reconnected. At Rensport, and I went, hey, I bought a badge from you a long time ago. Let's have you on Cars Yeah. So I'm really glad you're here to tell a little bit more about your story. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Jerry, take the wheel. Uh, actually, it's pretty simple. Um, what I told myself when I walked away from corporate IT is basically uh, stay busy and 
things will work out. <laughs> Stay busy and things will work out. Well, tell us a little bit about how that has worked for you, because one of the first questions that most people will have is, where on earth do you find all this cool stuff? Because you have a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a, you know, it, it's it's been a long trip. In the beginning, it was basically scouring anything I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. In the early days, uh, the whole badge thing started for me, I don't even know when. I had one piece, and then I had a second piece, and then I had a third piece. And then my either my focus was redirected uh, or whatever, but the whole the collecting part of it and getting serious about badges kind of, you know, percolated for a number of years, maybe even 10 years. I bought a handful of badges from uh, a seller on the German eBay site. I'm going to guess sometime in the, in the 96, 97 timeframe. Mm -hmm. And several months later, I get an email from him out of the blue. And he says, I just bought the collection of, um, and now I would have to go back and look up the, uh, the gentleman's name from the grandson. And, uh, would you like to see a list of the stuff that I have? And I said, sure. Yeah. And he sent me quite an extensive list and I said, Oh, okay. How about some pictures? And he said, sure. And pretty soon my inbox started to explode. Sure. <laughs> and the net result of that conversation transaction was something in the vicinity of 90 pieces. Wow, that's a nice collection. And my initial intent was to was to cherry pick oh, you know, you know, 10 or 12 or maybe 15 pieces out of that bunch and uh, you know, unload the rest and and try to get my money back. Mm -hmm. This uh, the the box arrived thankfully unbroken. Badges actually weigh quite a bit. Once you start getting into three-digit numbers, you know, oh, my, my, my arms are a couple of inches longer than they used to be yeah. from uh, carrying the stuff around to the shows. So this wad of badges arrives, uh, oh, two or three weeks before uh, the L.A. Lit Meet. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This would have been 1999. So I didn't have much of a chance to uh, to do my homework and get my ducks in a row, but my table at that show was very busy. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> uh, one guy walked up and he said, I'll take every single 1964 badge you have. <laughs> cool. Two guys were, were lining up and one wanted to buy five badges and another one wanted to buy seven badges. Nice. Um, those two... Uh, actually uh, turned out to be somewhat well-known collectors that mm. helped me with the uh, – they they both contributed to the, the feature article that I wrote for the 356 registry. Oh, cool. Some years ago. There's a link to that um, issue of the magazine on my website. Very nice. And uh, later I, I realized that, that I was giving most of the stuff away. But, you know, it was, you know, it was okay. You have to learn somehow. Yes. And, you know, and that was, and that was kind of, you know, the aha moment that said, wow, there's really something going on here. And, you know, you know am I going to be the badge guy? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a great story. And 
I've heard this from many of my guests who have a passion for something in the automotive field, and then it has evolved into a career path for them. And there's nothing like working in a field that you're passionate about to make every day a real big amount of joy and fun. So very cool story. Now, you said that you became a car guy kind of later in life. So if I wonder if you could share a story with us that instigated that passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment as you remember it when you really realized that you were a car guy? If I could put my finger on it, basically through most of my 20s, I was driving $50, $100, you know, American junk that was just commuter uh, grocery getter cars that, you know, you wouldn't take a second look at except maybe to turn your nose up at. But <laughs> I bought a VW from a friend of mine uh, with a blown up engine and I went and bought the complete idiot's guide to how to keep your bug alive and running. <laughs> I had a copy of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I still have it, actually. It's the Bible. Yeah. I went and found a good machinist. I took this thing apart. I took all the parts to him. Uh, I got the parts back. I put the engine together. I started driving the car around. And I thought that driving this little car was kind of fun. Yeah. So several months later, I was looking in the um, classified uh, section of the newspaper. This is all pre-internet, of course. And I started looking at Carmen Gia's because I thought they were kind of cute. And then I got sticker shock. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, wow, Carmen's really this much money? And uh, I flipped over, you know, a few columns and I started looking under the P cars and I discovered for not that much more, you know, I could afford a Porsche. Nice. Um, yeah. I bought a 64 Euro SC Coupe that was actually um, an AMAG car. This was a Swiss delivery car. Mm -hmm. And the seller was putting, uh, uh, was uh, the family was expanding. He was putting an addition on the back of the house. He needed money to pay the contractor. He didn't need it all up front. And so over the course of uh, several months, you know, I sold a couple of my crappy cars. <laughs> you know, I had some money from a tax return. I, you know, I paychecked some money and uh, and that car was mine. Very cool. Awesome. I had a Gia when I was in high school. I always called it my poor man's Porsche because that's <laughs> what I really wanted, but couldn't afford that back when I was in high school, of course. And uh, that Gia served me well. I really had fun with that car. Great little driving car. And of course, I did a lot of modification to it. So it'd go a little faster, looked a little better, kind of that SoCal look because I was living down in, uh, in La Jolla at the time, Southern California. I would love to crawl under the hood and talk to you a little bit about some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a great challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the more important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you? Well, on the business side, I don't know that there's any been any great challenges along the way. In the beginning, there were logistical challenges from uh, getting the stuff uh, from Germany to California. Mm -hmm. On the car side, I bought a 58 Speedster in uh, 1985. I just started driving this car about a year ago. Oh, my gosh. It was... It's like uh, 30 years later. <laughs> yes. It was very rusty. It had been road hard and put away wet. 
I'm convinced that it had some racing history, but the VIN had long since fallen off the California records. There was no way to trace the number through SCCA, which is probably where, you know, most of the racing history was done. It was, you know, privateer somewhere, who knows. The car was abandoned when the seller that I bought it from, he was in a medical situation without uh, insurance. And so, but there was a string of people uh, in front of me that walked away shaking their heads. And I showed up and said, sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, after I got the car to a shop where I worked on it for a while and I didn't really do that much work on on the car, I, I wound up taking the car apart and then realized what I was in for. This level of work was basically frightening at the time. I was very much overwhelmed by the product, uh, by the project, and it sat for quite a while, probably um, the better part of 10 years. And then one day I walked out to the garage and um, I said, hmm, what can I do here that's small, that isn't overwhelming, and will make this thing move forward? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And so I started working on the battery box. Simple enough. And uh, I cut out the old panel and I started making plans to to weld in a new one. This is, you know, working on these cars is not exactly like Tinker Toys where you just unplug one item and then plug another one back in. Even if you have a, a nice reproduction panel ready to go, typically you're going to be doing fabrication work above uh, the lip where the where the panel gets installed. So I'd been tinkering around with the car a little bit. I was kind of getting ready to start actually welding and putting metal back on this thing. And I called my brother out of the blue one day, and I said, guess what I'm doing? And he said, what? And I said, welding. And he knew exactly what I was talking about because he had expressed a little bit of interest in this project prior, you know, come over, look at the, you know, look in the garage, I see the car still here. And basically, I couldn't keep him away from the house. And Sunday mornings, uh, he would show up at about six o'clock in the morning. I'd take him to breakfast, and we'd put in a 12-hour day working on the car. We did that uh, 25 Sundays in a row. Wow. That was the 97-98 El Nino winter. And, um, better part of 600 hours later, the metalwork was done, the rear clip was on the car, and um, it was ready for the next phase. But, you know, the project stalled for a number of years. But the takeaway from something like that is to not to get overwhelmed, you know, regardless of the size of the project. Take it one piece at a time, relax, see if you can have some fun along the way, enjoy your success along the way. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, I'm finally driving the car. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. 58 Speedster, that's on my bucket list. And of course, we all know what values have done to those cars. So, uh, paid off to hang on to that car all these years. I'm glad you got it back on the road, though. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. You talked a little bit about an aha moment, realizing that, you know what, this collecting of badges and selling of badges and automobile, yeah, gee, I might be able, might be able to make a business out of this. What was your aha moment with your business? And tell us the steps you took to turn that into a success. I think the 99 Litmeet 
was the aha moment. At that point, I was still working full time. And so, you know, the whole badge slash memorabilia thing was, you know, was kind of a hobby. Mm-hmm. You delude yourself into thinking that you can uh, defray a certain amount of this hobby by, you know, by doing a little buying and selling. And delusional is the key word here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When I decided it was time for me to put the the IT job to bed, you know, it was uh, just a matter of stay busy and things will work out. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? You talked about looking for a Carmen Ghia. You talked about the Volkswagen, then buying the first Porsche. But uh, was that your first really special car? You know, my first really special car might have been my very first car, which uh, I bought before I went into the service, but only drove for, mm, I'm guessing, about a year or so. It was a 1960 Divco delivery truck that was a retired Berkeley Farms milk delivery. Oh, okay. (laughs) Very unique for a first vehicle, that's for sure. Yes. Was it something that you used for for work in any way, or what made you buy that? No, I just thought they were cool. The the school bus uh, swing open, I'm I'm not sure what those kind of doors are called, where they swing open and then collapse and and fold back to the body. The really cool thing about this one was that it was dual drive. In other words, you could drive this car, uh, truck, uh, sitting down or standing up. You could jump out and throw the milk cartons on the, or the milk bottles Mm -hmm. back in those days on the shelves. Now, is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you could have back in the garage? That would probably be the one. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It'd be really neat to make it into something special for uh, cars and coffee events on those Saturday mornings. It'd, it'd be a great tow vehicle. Yeah, that too. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you, you could fit this thing out uh, to camp in, mm-hmm. enough room to carry spares, and, and, and half, of a, half of a small machine shop. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I know you sell badges and automobilia, but in this new year here, are there some new projects, new things that you're working on that really have you excited and fired up? Not so much as the product line itself is concerned. One of the things that's, that's been on my radar for a while, and I just, I just haven't been able to cross the divide, if you will, is that the shows that I've been doing to date, and I've been doing the lit meet for, I don't know, 25 years, maybe more, the, uh, Automobilia Monterey show. I think this is going to be my 12th year coming up in August. And I drive into both of these events. And so, and so the divide that I'm trying to cross is, is taking the show on the road. Oh, I see. Uh, All of the logistics of shipping everything out to Amelia Island or, or one of the other events uh, back east or in the Midwest and and doing that, that would be the thing that would be uh, on the radar that, that I, haven't, uh, I haven't crossed. I don't know if that will happen this year or not, but it's, uh, that is on the to-do list. Well, you got to go out and find that old milk truck, uh, retrofit it, and make it into <laughs> a uh, driving vehicle for going to these events where you can flip up the side and display all your wares. Sure, That would sure. be pretty cool. Now, here's a very introspective question, Jerry. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, I might be an AC Cobra. 
Ooh, and you know, why is that? You know, I have I have a certain affection for uh, Carol Shelby and his "damn the torpedoes" attitude. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I don't know if that's something that I wish that I had more of or not. You know, the way that that he took on Le Mans was was pretty appealing back in those days. Mm-hmm. I've got a brief side story that that I find very entertaining that I'll share if uh, if you want to hear it. Yeah, go ahead. Somebody whose whose name escapes me and I'm just going to I'm just going to paraphrase this. This is maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Uh had caught up with Shelby at an event and he button hooked him and was uh, introduced himself. He was in the Cobra Club, blah 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 and was trying to see if he could figure out the secret from Shelby, and he's going on and on and on about all these suspension things that they've tried, and camber and caster and bump steer and blah, 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 blah. And eventually, Shelby very politely says, son, hold on a minute, son. He says, I'm sure that you know an awful lot more about suspension tuning than I ever will. He said, you have to understand that back in those days, what we did was stand on it until we got to the turn, manage through the turn as best we could, and stand on it until we got to the next turn. <laughs> point, <laughs> point and shoot, point and shoot. Yeah, very much what a Cobra is all about, for sure. Yeah. Well, Jerry, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life car covers front end masks dash covers seat covers floor mats and much much more covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle covercraft is the right choice i use them on all my vehicles and your special vehicles will love them too learn more today at covercraft.com and you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, Cars Yeah. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Jerry, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Shoot. 
Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success? Two words. Have fun. Have fun. I like it. Simple. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you think they would really enjoy? Not a single resource. I'm a voracious reader. I'm subscribed to most of the Porsche-specific online forums that you could name, mm-hmm. uh, early 911S registry, uh, Pelican Parts, 356 registry. I think the key is to read a lot. And, and number one, don't be afraid to ask questions. Absolutely. Very important. Now, how about a book? I know there's a lot of great books, but is, is there one in particular you think our listeners would really enjoy? On the badge side, I'm hard-pressed to come up with any titles besides one called World of Car Badges. Oh, okay. It's been translated to English. It's, I believe it's published by a Swedish writer. It is long since out of print, but copies are available on the secondary market. I see. Cool. Very cool. I have to get my hands on one of those. Well, listeners, you can find these resources at carsyad.com, Jerry's show notes page. Just type in Jerry in the search bar and his show notes page will pop up for you to uh, check all these out. Now, we are up to the checkered flag, Jerry, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price, I'll buy you whatever you'd like today. And I'll even buy a bunch of badges to put on the back grill or the front grill, whatever kind of car you choose. What would that one vehicle be and why? Might be the Glockler Spider. The Glockler Spider. Well, tell tell our listeners a little bit about what it is about that car that you find so intriguing. Uh, maybe the sexiest body style I've ever seen in my entire life. Ooh, okay. Pretty simple. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. One off, one off car. I have no idea where that car is today. But um, uh, I've only seen I've only seen f- very very few pictures of it. You know what's interesting about that car is it looks a lot like a car that one of my past guests, Chris Rungi, has been building cars that look a lot like the Glockler Spider. Mm-hmm. So maybe what we could do is I could call Chris up and he could build you one. That'd be kind of cool to your custom Bingo. specifications. Yeah, I think that would be pretty neat. Me and you, Mark. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> well, Jerry, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your very own Glockler Spider? Try to have as much fun as you can stand. <laughs> Good advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and get their hands on purchasing some of these wonderful badges and memorabilia that you offer? www.rallybadge.com. And the spelling of rally, let's share that. Yeah, I I use the old, maybe old, I don't know. I, I use the Brit spelling of it, R-A-L-L-Y-E. All right. Rally badge, one word. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find all these great links at Jerry's show notes page on carsyeah.com. Just type Jerry in the search bar. As a footnote? Yeah. The website only contains uh, a portion of the mother load. Okay. Number one. Number two, the website is somewhat out of date. Mm-hmm. The best way to experience this stuff in person is either the LA Lit Meet. And when does that take place? Oh, that is the first Saturday in March okay. every year. All right. That's coming up here. So, yes, at the, the Hilton, the Hilton, uh, the LAX Hilton. 
And even if uh, badges are not a, uh, a specific interest, if you're a Porsche guy, you have to experience this event at least once in your life. <laughs> Definitely. It is, it is sensory overload for Porsche people. Yeah, it's a wonderful event. The other event uh, is uh, Automobilia Monterey, mm-hmm. which is uh, – we have a couple of days midweek there, Tuesday and Wednesday of uh, Speed Week. Incident to uh, the event, uh, boy, that used to be called uh, the Historics. I'm not sure what that event is even called now. Yeah, Car Week there in Monterey, and that's Tony Singer's event that takes place. And uh, Tony's been a guest on the show here as well, sells those wonderful vintage auto posters as well. So I encourage your listeners to go to Jerry's show notes page on carsyad.com. I'll have links to all these events on his show notes page. Check them out. Check out Jerry's collection of badges. I'm sure there's something there that you would love to have for your collection. Jerry, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Uh, Mark, the pleasure's been all mine. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.